Popular culture is littered with stories of good people who fell in with a bad crowd or stories that seem to indicate that the group that someone aligns themselves with is vital to their success. These characters are in large part determined by the company they keep. In fact, I'd argue most of what you need to know about a character can be gleaned from their wardrobe choice or the color of their lightsaber. Are you Gryffindor or Slytherin? Miyagi-Do or Cobra Kai? Lost Boy or Pirate? Each of these identities carry with it an expectation of behavior regardless of the individual person it applies to. Is this just a storytelling device or is there more to it? On today's episode of Think Significantly, we're going to discuss just how influential others are on us and what we might gain by being deliberate about selecting our friend groups. As my grandmother would remind me on a regular basis, you can't fly like an eagle if you're surrounded by turkeys. Well, Pete, welcome back. I can tell you, I am so excited to be here with you on season two. And I just had to get that out before we talk about your grandmother giving you (laughs) Eggles advice. Right. I'm sure it was Eggles. The, the Eagles, Yeah. Right. The Eagles, Yes. The Eagles <laughs> fly Eagles fly. It is. Yeah. It is wonderful to be back with you. It really is. Awesome. Uh, I've, I've missed recording. Let's let's uh, let's knock out some interesting stuff. Well, okay. <laughs> Melissa's happy to be back next. Ding! <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, enough of the trivialities. My bad. All right. <laughs> okay. So uh, why don't you give us a little background on this and, and, uh, well, what what so possessed you to uh, to deem this worthy of our time to discuss this? Oh, okay. So this uh, this concept, this this uh, this idea that that you're influenced by the five people you spend the most time with was really came from the motivational speaker Jim Rohn, mm-hmm. uh, and and I don't know uh, if our listeners are super familiar with his name. Um, but he's had uh, a lot of influence on, on some important people that they might know. Uh, he mentored Mark Hughes, who was the founder of Herbalife. Um, he mentored life strategist Tony Robbins, who uh, everyone seems to know in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and he also had an influence on the careers of Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield, who are best known for the Chicken Soup series of books. So Mr. Roan had a had a a, a a sphere of influence that that uh, stretched you know in different aspects of popular culture. And what his idea is is that um, it essentially boils down to that you need to surround yourself with the people you aspire to be. And so with him surrounded by Mark Hughes, Tony Robbins, Mark Victor Hansen, and Jack Van Campbell, are those four of his five? I'm wondering. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, I wouldn't know. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Right. Think, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah. Serious. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. The, the, and the reason I brought it up since, since you asked is uh, I think it fit well in our, in our group dynamic um, sort of theme for the month. And mm-hmm. um, I think that personally I've come to uh, appreciate the amount of influence that the people that I spend a significant amount of time with have on me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think there are parts of my life that uh, the people I spent my time with probably weren't the best for me to be uh, advancing myself or, or uh, being the most that I could be, let's say. Okay. Uh, and I, and I think that had I known this concept or had I been conscious of this at the time, I might have made different decisions about who I was spending time with. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that it could be really helpful to bring this sort of thinking to people's attention. Sure. Um, it's interesting to me that you said um, that maybe they weren't the folks who brought out the best in you. And I got from what you were saying, this sort of idea that you were looking to them to sort of like, um, oh, I don't know, like, like sharpen your iron for lack of a better word, right? You're to, mm-hmm. to, to keep aspiring. And what I don't want to lose sight of, which would be a good pin probably for, as we get deeper into this discussion is this thought that those five people also owe you sort of like a supportive role, right? They have to be there right. not only to encourage you, but also to be sort of like that soft landing, just in case if you jump. Like it's, you know, you don't land, you don't land on the softest of surfaces. So um, I just don't lose yeah. sight of that. No, it's absolutely something that's important. And I think uh, uh, something that we should circle back to before we're done talking. Sure. So uh, what's interesting to me about you bringing up your grandma is that you, I mean, we, we all realize that if you've ever been a kid or you've been a parent, if you've been one half of that dynamic, <laughs> You're and who very hasn't, familiar with this, right? right? Yes. Chance of, <laughs> even if you're not a parent, you've been a kid before. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> Chances are good, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you, you have experienced this, uh, whether you realize you were experiencing this or not. I mean, am I right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Exactly. That's exactly it. And, and I can remember when I was a kid, uh, it, my parents wanting to know who I was with, what we were doing you know, just every detail about what our plans were. And this is now keep in mind, listeners, that uh, this is before the days of cell phones. So I'm dating myself a little bit, but, um, but I considered myself to be mature and I considered myself to be uh, responsible. And it was frustrating to me that I was, uh, that I didn't feel like they were giving me credit for being those things. But, but now that I'm a parent, I understand that you want your kids to hang out with good people mm-hmm. uh, because that will keep them from being in situations that, that, that will end up getting them in trouble potentially. Mm-hmm. It's not about whether your kid is a good kid or not. It's about whether the group that he's with is a good group. Right. Well, I'm going to say that, right, that because the, the, the tribe that you keep, the company that you keep does have a huge influence on you. I often say this, like, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. And I didn't Mm. make up that quote, but I live by it for sure. Uh Um, Often when I'm meeting um, new people, I'm like, well, you know, it's interesting to me, you know, like, who do you hang out with? I mean, because it tells you a lot about a person. Um, To your point, something that just came up on my uh, gray matter here, something that transversed the vow as you were speaking is, um, (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with St. Augustine. Some people know him as a theologian. I studied him in philosophy class. Uh, and basically, so, I mean, he's ancient, right? He's, he's from, mm-hmm. he's from way Literally, before, yeah. he's, he's like, when you were born, like, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, basically there's this famous story about him. It's this, we call it the pear tree incident 
uh, I know uh, colloquially, um, he, him and a bunch of adolescent friends of his are shaking the fruit off a pear tree. Why? Oh, just so they could have pears. And they didn't even want to eat them. They weren't even hungry. So what they ended up doing, they ended up throwing them to the pigs. And nice. yeah, and he actually says, you know, if I was alone, I wouldn't have done it. I could not conceivably have done it myself. Um, his whole thing was immorality is heightened when you're in a group. So I know, I know I banked that a hard left right there. And you're like, what? Like, what? like, I just don't want my kid staying out late at night at the mall. And now he's got immorality, but um, no, but, but that's, yeah, no, I think, I think that ties together perfectly actually, because um, as we know from, uh, from history, St. Augustine himself wasn't a, a bad person. He was just with people that did bad things. So he did them with them, right? That's the, that's the lesson here. And that's what we're trying to avoid with our children. Sure. Actually, St. Augustine has two very, <laughs> um, his life is bifurcated. Let's just say mm. uh, his early days were he was a, he was a rascal. He was, he was, he was doing a lot of learning is what he, he was. was. Doing. He was doing some learning. Yes. Some adventures Some he's on a journey. Uh, yes. And then he had sort of like this, um, yes, this, this, this moment where the tide turned for him. Yes. I I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here and, and try to encapsulate what you said about Augustine um, by, uh, by saying that what he came to realize uh, is that he believed that the people he was with were having a heavy, heavy influence on his personal behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his morality. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And and um, and I'm going to segue from that into a a something that shows that the science backs him up. So David Yunkin, he's a he's a social scientist. Uh, he and a bunch of his colleagues did a. Uh, a study and they published their findings where your morality fluctuates depending on who you're with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could be, uh, he gives an example of a anecdote with a husband and wife. The husband is a law abiding stand up citizen uh, and learns that his wife committed a horrible crime and he now has to help her hide the body. Oh, Lord. <laughs> right? I married uh, an axe murderer. Yes, right. I've seen well, this show. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be any number of things. But, but ultimately, he feels his loyalty to her will outweigh his personal morality against the heinous act that she's committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so knowing that that's what his study showed it's that much more important and it lends that much more credence to um, Augustine's experience that you have to be careful who you're spending your time with. If you're, if you're spending your time with a bunch of people who are potentially going to ask you to do things that are against your personal ethos or your personal morality, Mm -hmm. then you're going to bend your morality because that's who you're with. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you hang out with people that are more uh, you know, uh, law-abiding good, for lack of a better term. <laughs> law-abiding good. <laughs> law-abiding good. That's that's a that's a like a game reference. But the uh, 
uh, you know, if you're hanging out with them, you don't have to worry about them asking you to hide a body, for example. Sure. I think what's interesting, since especially since we brought up that study, is that there is research that shows that it it's actually not just between us and the folks that we're hanging out with. Um, I think you know what I'm talking about. There is that that heart study. It was like Christakis and Fowler. Yeah, Framingham. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Framingham, Framingham. Yes, that's yes. The Framingham Heart Study. So they they amassed this massive amount of data, and basically what they did is they started with uh, obesity, mm-hmm. and what they found was there's a relationship not only between your personal weight gain and if a friend was obese, right? We can make that make sense to me. Sure. Um, but there's a link between your weight gain and whether or not the friend of a friend was obese, regardless if you knew this person or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's fascinating, isn't it? It, it is. And I've, I've tooled around with this in my brain, like this, this entire week, trying to think through this and why this could be, mm-hmm. um, but there's some crazy stats. So like um, uh, here, if, if I have a friend uh, who is obese, I have right. a 45% chance of gaining weight which are things that I do not need in my life. Okay. So we need to, <laughs> right. I, I don't need any of this, but listen to this craziness. If my friend's friend, okay. Is obese. I have a 20% chance of gaining weight and then wait, they took it out one more iteration. If a friend of a friend of a friend, right. So I'm not talking about my friends, two friends out who I probably mm-hmm. do not know. I do not run right. in a circle. Right. If that person is obese, I have a 10% chance of being obese. And and they did it with smoking and happiness too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, right. This, the, the, uh, the effects of smoking mimic those of, of the obesity, uh, as far as the, the, uh, deleterious effect as you go further out, I thought happiness was, um, was striking in that it's the only thing uh, of the couple studies that that we're discussing, where um, geographical proximity had an impact. So, mm-hmm. if my friend is happy, uh, there's a 15% chance above average that I will be happier. Mm-hmm. Um, if a friend's friend is happy and lives nearby, then I have a 10% chance to be happier. If that if that other person that that influencing effect is uh further away than a couple miles i lose that benefit it's okay. really it's really amazing and it's a and if i if i can plug season one still um that calls us back to our first episode where we talked about the importance of face-to-face communications versus uh online uh relationships uh yeah. having having that face-to-face uh, especially uh, apparently in the realm of happiness just means so much more uh, than uh, than trying to connect with somebody over a long distance and get that same benefit. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting to me is that these studies seem to indicate that we are we are much more connected than any of us realize. So plug away at uh, episode one, because that's what that was all about, right? Connection. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So even though we're talking about the, the the fab five, right? The five guys that are in our in our group that influence us the most, really our sphere of influence reaches much farther. Right. And I, I say that meaning two things. Who influences us is much bigger than we think. And who we influence 
right? Is much bigger than we think as well, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, I think it's, I think it, it, like it can be explained by, um, by looking at the fact that in our tight group, like you said, if, if somebody in our group is a smoker, if somebody that we spend a lot of time with is a smoker, chances are we're going to be around them while they're smoking. And we have a, that, that explains our 69% chance that we're going to start smoking or, or be a smoker ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that same relationship exists in each of our five friends with their five people. Sure. Right. So, so it just becomes a, a, a math game at some point where they're being influenced by those people who are then influencing us. Uh, it's, 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 it's really, it's mind bending in, in some ways, but it's really just when you look at it mathematically, it just makes a ton of sense that we're all interconnected and we're all having these influences on each other um, without, without even having to know each other. Well, what's interesting is I was thinking about, well, how do you make friends? Mm -hmm. And and, uh, similarly, what do you do with friends, right? You make friends because you're hanging out. Um, You do with friends, you're hanging out, right? So what do friends do? Um, You know, they're going to brunch. And this explains why my friend, Becky's friend, Susan is obese because they're brunching and now I can't button my pants. Right. I mean, you know, that's really, you know, and if like, if I'm, if I'm a smoker, I'm in a bar on a Friday night. Right. Probably. Right. I'm not at the library, let's say uh, smoking. Um, You know, so it just makes sense because you're kind of like doing the same stuff together. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's the whole, you know, birds of a feather flocking together in this, in this Mm -hmm. uh, example. And, but what we want to um, maybe highlight here is let's say you're a smoker, right? Let's say you've got a, a group of friends that you smoke with. You, <laughs> sorry, that's how many times loud. have I sent out a text like, want to go smoke? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's what I do in my spare time when I'm right. recording podcasts. <laughs> so the point is if you want to stop smoking, hanging out with these people that you've smoked with for, I don't know how long is going to make your effort much, much harder. Yeah. But based on this, I mean, I hate to be the, the dour person here, but this means I got to like run around to like 125 people and make sure I got no smokers in this group. Right. Cause Nancy's friend, Sarah's friends, Mary's is going to affect, right. According to this crazy study that they did. Yeah, no, you're right. But I don't think you really, I think if you're a betting person, you're willing to take the 11% chance Mm -hmm. that a third order person might influence you over the 69% chance that a first order relationship is going to influence you. Sure. And I have to remember the flip side of the coin is that I'm also an influencer. I'm influencing those five people in my group. Right. So I wonder if they've done, and if they haven't, they need to research on what about people who then choose not to smoke, choose not to drink, choose not to whatever it be. Yeah. That would be a fascinating. uh, I think that would be a fascinating branch to this. I don't know that they've done that, but, but how, how interesting would those results be seeing how somebody who intentionally tried to buck the behavior that they're being influenced on Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what, what they had to do to be successful um, 
you know, if they were successful, if they weren't successful, what, you know, what might've, what might've undercut their efforts. Uh, I think that would be uh, amazingly interesting. So for those of you taking quantitative methodologies this semester, <laughs> we have an idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> you can advance the discipline. That's right. Um, I'll, I'll be there with you in a couple semesters, I think. <laughs> um, so what's interesting to me is that th there's a there's a theory that keeps coming to mind. Um, so uh, th there's a guy, uh, Kenneth Burke, and he has this theory of identification. And basically okay. he says that... Um, we're talking about this birds of a feather thing, right? So basically right. his concept is that when one identifies or allies with another, it's because of something called, ready? Consubstantiality. Consubstantiality. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. But basically it makes sense. <laughs> it's con, right? Like uh -huh. with something substantial. Like we have substance in common. Sure. Right? Yeah. And um, it's through this consubstantiality that individuals are able to persuade each other. Um, and he's a comms guy. I gotta just throw that out there because he's saying that like language allows us to relay our consubstantiality with another individual, but that just makes sense. What else are you gonna do? Mime it? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I'm at the bar and I'm trying to light a cigarette, just like I'm like, I got the white face and the, like That's the right. black right. and white striped shirt on. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Well, he says that we can um we we seek identity or that there is identity basically with other people um on a couple of different fronts so you could have like a materialistic identification like like oh you're a jeep owner i'm a jeep owner right mm -hmm. uh you could have idealistic identification where we think like we have the same sort of values we're in the same political party um formal identification uh like all those people who are iron men right and iron right, men, right? that that's definitely that's that formal like identification because like I have the paternal, yeah, right. Because you, you know, they all have the tattoo on the back of their calf and the, you know, of course the hundred and forty whatever it be sticker on the back of their car. And trust, I would put <laughs> that shit on my forehead if I complete one. I'm not knocking them. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and well, and he also talks about this other one, which is a little bit uh, tangential, but it's also about mystification, and that's basically like people who are like in a lower social strata will sometimes identify with people in a higher social strata. Uh -huh. you know, it's like fandom, if you will. Like, um, like a parasocial thing? Yes. Like, I think I, I know you more than I actually know right. you because sure. you're in my Teen Beat magazine and I have your, <laughs> I have your glossy um, centerfold put on my yeah. wall. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. Scott Bayo. Yeah. <laughs> Not not present day Scott Bayo. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. back in the day. No, no, right? no. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, very fascinating. So here's where I want to go with this. I so I have two kind of thoughts binging around my head. One is okay. that I'm gonna take this as these are the the five people that I spend most time with, but I but I gotta admit that like I remember back in the in the in the day when the five people I, I spent the most time with were generally shorter than my knee, right? <laughs> uh -huh. And I was like, wow, that explains a lot. That I pretty much was the summation of those people. You know, you're eating goldfish crackers out of the CD car, <laughs> looking for gum. Yeah, That's right. uh, all those things. Um, but Napping but, during the day, I'm sure, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, the whole nine. Yeah, right, exactly. Playing My Little Pony. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I guess there's, but there, but when you come out of that, when you emerge, right, then now you're really talking about 
this friend group that you, you do have some sort of uh, sway over, right? You could be more selective. It's not like you'd be like, hey, little Johnny, you're not cutting it these days and I don't want to be like you anymore. So sorry. Well, well I think, I think it's, and I think what, uh, I think you're saying what I'm about to, to point out, uh, I hope anyway, is, is when you're dealing with that relationship specifically with, with a parent-child relationship, mm-hmm. you're um, developing them into the person that you want to be spending time with. Oh, that's interesting. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like to think that with my children, I've done that where I, uh, you know, you share your interests with them, mm-hmm. you share your moral code with them, you share your work ethic with them. Mm-hmm. You share your sense of humor with them. And as they grow, uh, they become this, this person that's an amalgamation of the things that you shared and the things that other people have shared. And, and, mm-hmm. but there's, there's a core of you in there. Mm-hmm. Sure. You so that's really, you had really a big dramatic pause there for a minute, Pete. And I thought you were going to say, and as they get older, you share. And I was like, your wardrobe and the same car. <laughs> also true, but yeah, yes. not what I was thinking. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so maybe we pivot and we talk about um, the 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 five people we keep that are that are uh, more in the the friends lane, the coworkers lane, mm-hmm. uh, the people that are uh, we're spending most time with, say, in a sport or a hobby of some other variety. Sure. Um, because I actually, in preparation for this discussion, I came across this woman. Uh, her name is May Pang. She is a connection guru. And what she did, which I thought was both like awe-inspiring and ruthless, um, and potentially on my list for 22, uh, was that <laughs> she conducted this assessment exercise, right? Where she paid very close attention to the relationships that already existed in her life. Uh-huh. And she also was like, these are, these are like new ones that I would like to cultivate. Um, she did it very logically, very analytically. So already she's my hero. Uh-huh. Um, she basically, uh-huh. at the end of every day, she wrote down anybody that she spent an hour with that day or more. So that could have been like the barista, if the barista talked to her for more than an hour. Sure. Right? Um, so anyway, she ended up doing this for like two weeks. And then what she did, this blows my mind, is she rated those interactions. Mm. So she like kind of graded them. Right. Feel energized, drained, anxious, empowered, defensive. Yeah. She she puts down like the scripters about how she she felt about it. So right. So she makes those interactions. uh, She does like a qualitative analysis, essentially of of how each of those interactions went and and i'm assuming where you're going with this is she then determines whether or not they were the they had the impact that would cause her to want to continue to have those interactions yes so after she sort of like assesses them then Mm -hmm. she sort of puts her filters on this because she had some like top three must-haves like things that she specifically looked for in these folks Okay. And, and she also had like a, a, a deal breaker. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and if they, you know, deal breakers, deal breaker, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then she basically 
You know, she was very intentional uh, uh-huh. about making sure that she was saving her best self for the people who mattered the most, <laughs> which means she broke up with some folks, right? Sure. Yeah. She got rid of some of those toxic relationships or I don't even want to categorize them as toxic. They just weren't maybe the best. If you only have five slots, who are you right. spending your time with? Right. No, right. It's, I mean, time, our, our time is a finite resource. Um Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna spend any of it in a interaction with someone that doesn't fulfill you, uh, and, and, and potentially take time away from spending that time with someone who does, you know, give you that boost of energy, uh, that's just, that's just bad business. Right. <laughs> I mean, for lack of a better term. So uh, I think, I think her, her ruthlessness is warranted. I like how you said it was like a finite resource because I often think of time as money and not just in like a, a, a witty little thing to say, but mm-hmm. I often think to myself, like, how much is this costing me? You right. know? So if I only have a hundred dollars in my day to spend, like who's getting some of that? Like mm-hmm. you really don't have all that much time during your day to spend. No, you really don't. Privilegedly, yeah. or, right. you know, so you have to be, yeah, you have to be ruthless. Like you were saying, you have to be intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Now, I'm curious about her. Uh, you said that she was choosing people uh, based on aspirational uh, uh, efforts. That's what she had said. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, in the article I ran across, like, who does she want to be with? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was, uh, right, I thought that was very profound there. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting because it gets into... Um, some of what I read in, in various articles about, uh, about the, uh, the business advice of choosing your, your group of people well. Um, and it was uh, basically around, uh, again, aspirationally, choosing people who you want to uh, parrot, perhaps, in their, in their, uh, their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just really like it, it didn't strike me as the best advice, uh, in general. Like, I, again, I, I'm going to couch that, that those articles came from business sources. They were aimed at business people, um, with the goal of, of, of forwarding your, uh, career aspirations. Mm-hmm. But, but I liked, I, I, <laughs> I personally am of the belief that that our life is not what we do. Like that doesn't define us that we are more than, than, uh, our career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I struggled with whether or not it would be better for us to choose people who we aspire to, uh, to be like in their accomplishments versus choosing people who we strive to be like in their being. Uh, and, and, uh, let me expound on that. Cause that seems very vague, but if you're, if you're uh, an entrepreneur and you want to be the best entrepreneur, you might want to hang out with, uh, you know, in a fantasy world, you might want to hang out with Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Jamie Dimon, and these captains of industry. But I just wonder if as a person, that's the best thing for you. If they're not, uh, 
if spending time with them isn't going to fill your tank, so to speak, if they're not going to give you what you need outside of that business persona, I just don't know that cultivating those relationships is worth it. Right. I think this goes back to what I said at the top, though, is that they, they have to be both for you, right? They have to be not only encouraging you to be this forward-leaning individual, um, but they also have to be there to just support you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think that that's, I think that captures it very well. I think that's more important is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of if that friend is, uh, you know, a, a, a plant manager or if he's uh, a, a mechanic or, or any, any job, mm-hmm. their genuine support for you and, and, uh, and uh, I'm going to call it cheerleading uh, and their honest feedback is going to be more helpful to you in your aspirations than if you're hanging out with people who have accomplished what you're trying to accomplish, but don't really care for you. So you bring up a good point, And I think we can't lose sight of this. You have to choose people who choose you back. Yes, 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 yes. And if you're not getting someone who's choosing you back, you, I mean, you can easily just cut sling load on them right then, but you, you might even want to dive deeper and you might want to figure out why that is. Um, I would say in some relationships where I've been in that I'm not being chosen back, it's because it, that relationship really lacked authenticity. Mm. And when you're saying about me hanging out with Bezos, because, you know, I think he can advance my career. He would not be wise to have me in his circle because I'm not being an authentic actor. Right. Right. I want something out of this. Right. Um, Right. He also needs a soft space to land. Um, So, you know, if I'm not providing that, to him, I, I should not be one of his top eight on his MySpace. I mean, I just not. All of you still have MySpace yeah. accounts. Yes. Well, I mean, right. Honestly, the way Facebook's going, we'd all be better off on MySpace. But... Right. I know. But where would I put pictures of my bagel? Yeah. True. Right. true, true, true. You're like on Instagram. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Meta. Yes. But yo, yes. Before we lose track, before we get too off on a tangent here. Yes. Um, choose people who choose you back. And that, and that I wanted to comment on that when you, when you mentioned um, breaking up with toxic people, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to do. It's okay. just when you recognize that somebody's toxic, um, when, when, if you're taking evaluation of the people you're spending time with as, um, as Ms. Pang was, mm-hmm. and you're noticing that, Hey, this relationship doesn't serve me. Right. Uh, this isn't mutually beneficial. This is somebody that's taking and not giving or, or however you want to couch that mm-hmm. ending that relationship is, is good for you. I would argue it's imperative that you do it, but it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't want people to think that either of us are advocating for um, or trying to, trying to suggest that changing these groups of friends is just something that you can do at the drop of a hat. It's not, it's, it's hard work. It's effort. It's going to be painful. Losing a relationship is painful, even if it's a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so what I was going to say is too, I feel like toxic is so heavily charged yeah. and, and usually it's not even that right. Like I'm going to say the silent killer in any relationship is complacency. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about these situations too, where you're like, I'm just not being fed. And I'm thinking, I also have to evaluate the energy and attention that I'm bringing to that relationship every time I show up. So, you know, you can almost create like this sort of uh, self-fulfilling prophecy where you're like, I'm not getting much out of this. So I'm not, you know, and like, like you're Eeyore that day, you're not bringing much to it. Right. Well, you know, then that other person's not going to feel energized either. So you always, in anything, you have to look in the mirror for sure. Absolutely. Um, And I'm with you. It's definitely not easy. Um, Sure. Um, I have a, I have a question for you because, um, so I realize that five spots is not a lot, but um, there, there's some, some wisdom out there. I I say that loosely that talks Mm -hmm. about, uh, oh, you have to have a critic also in there, right? Like I have to very specific roles. Like, you know, you have to have somebody who will braid your hair and call you pretty and someone who will just like, cut you down to the core. I, I don't know about this critics idea in my top five. And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on it. I think, uh, I, I want to say, first of all, whether or not you intended to do this, thank you for teasing next week's episode, which is about the roles that we play in our friends groups. Um, I have no idea what's next week. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't a, gotten that far, that man. Was, that was the best plug I, I think I could have come up with for it. That was fantastic. Next week, we'll be talking about those roles. I have no idea. Do you need it? The, is the, does every group need a critic? That's the that's kind of the gist there. I just showed my hand to show you that I have not done the research for next week. I'm, I apologize in advance. I'm sure it'll be amazing, though. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get right on it as soon as we push stop record. But go ahead. Um, so I, I'm going to go, I'm going to double down on something I said earlier, and that's find those people that are genuine, mm-hmm. find those people that, um, above all else are concerned about you, right? If they're interested in you being successful, if they're interested in you being healthy, if they're interested in you being cared for part of all of those things is criticism if I truly care for somebody and they're going to do something that I think is a bad idea, I'm going to tell them it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. I'm going to warn them against doing whatever it is they're saying they're going to do. So Uh, you want to go throw pears at pigs. I'm going to tell you, no, just letting you know. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's had, had Augustine been hanging out with people who were generally genuinely interested in him. Sure they might've said, Hey, why would you do that? Right. Right. That's not who you are. That's not who I know you to be. Mm-hmm. Why would you pursue this? Sure. And that might've been enough to get him to go, wait a minute. Why am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think, I don't think you need a person to be a critic. I think you need a genuine person and as, and, and the more genuine people you can find, the richer your life is going to be. Agreed. Yeah. As soon as I heard critic, I immediately went to something we use in the change management world, which is called red teaming. Mm-hmm. And that's where you are like, you adopt that adversarial approach because then it makes your plan or your policy or your system even that much stronger. It's like, it's like devil's advocate, but I think right. myself, I think all, besides Nancy who eats too many bagels and now I'm fat, I don't, all right. I also don't need this in my top five, but I love the way you framed it. I think that makes so much sense. Um, and if I could, uh, just a just a quick wrap up here with because I found another study. It's sure, an yeah. old study, 
Okay. It came out of Harvard and it really just sort of underscores really how important it is that we are happy in our relationships because they are a powerful predictor of our health and longevity. Mm -hmm. Um, like above other things, above IQ, above like good genes. Like I could have crappy teeth, right? Like, thanks mom and dad. But like, I have a really good friend group. Um, yeah, more powerful than social class even. Um, Mm. so yeah, it's very important, uh, picking your five and and how you do that. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's a wonderful way to sum this up, uh, to bring this discussion to a close to, because it shows (laughs) just as I'm, as I'm kind of cataloging the things that you listed off, if, if it's, if it's irrespective of social class or IQ or genes, or I don't remember what else you said, mm-hmm. um, those are, those are especially social classes, an indicator of, uh, I'm going to use air quotes here and, and be like success as we define it in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really gets to the heart of being fulfilled by the people you spend your time with. Right. So I think that's a, that's a wonderful study, very, very relevant and puts a, puts a, uh, a nice cap on this discussion. Well, awesome. Well, let's, let's wrap it up then. Let's do it. Oh yes. Let's, let's, uh, (laughs) it's been a minute since we've done a send off. I know. Right. Melissa and I would love to continue this discussion with you on social media. Give us your thoughts on how you feel your friends influence you or on how you influence your friends. Uh, think about who's in your top five and why, and you don't necessarily have to share that with us, but I do think <laughs> spend some time thinking of if they deserve to be in your top five. Uh, we'd love to hear though, if you've consciously sought out a new friend group uh, and, and why, what, what caused you to seek that change. Um, mm. And we're betting it wasn't easy, like Pete mentioned to you before. So reach out and share with us. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ThinkSignPod and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Think Significantly. And if you enjoyed our conversation, please invite one of those top five friends to listen uh, or I one mean, of their top five. Yeah, Spiderweb, spider that thing out to all three tiers. We need <laughs> all 125 people to know. Right? Because if Mary is listening, then that means three iterations over, right? Is going to listen. If right, you know right. obesity, smoking, right? Yeah. Happiness study. Yeah. yeah, there's right. If you start listening, there's a there's a 40% chance your friends will start listening. <laughs> it's just that's just science. Same car with you when you drive carpool. <laughs> Hashtag facts. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Pete and I will be back next week to tackle another thought-provoking topic, which I just discovered what it was. Thanks for that. (laughs) And uh, until then, we encourage everyone to think significantly about the world around you.